Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. First Corinthians chapter 12. We've been talking about the gifts of the whole life in the Holy Spirit, and we've gotten, since January, we've made a lot of progress. We've gotten to the gifts of the Spirit. We've talked about how the gifts of the Spirit are best seen in three categories. The motivation gifts, that is, we looked at Romans chapter 12 and we saw those those internal motivations. That is how you are especially, uniquely given special ability by God the Father through your creation in His image and likeness and especially by replugging you through your rebirth. So you were created in his image and likeness physically, but you were you entered in to the to his very identity through your new birth where the Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of you. You have his spiritual genes in you. You're his children, you're his son, his daughter. We talked about how certain motivation gifts, that is how you're wired, where, where you have a God-given advantage. We talked about prophecy and ministry and teaching and, and uh, showing mercy and giving and leadership. We, we talked about the meaning of all of those, so we won't go back and revisit that. Then we started a few weeks ago on talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now remember that the Father gives motivation gifts, the Son gives ministry office gifts. Ministry office gifts listed for us are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But the Holy Spirit gives manifestation gifts. Why manifestation gift? Because you don't own it. You can't turn it on and off. It is granted to you by the Holy Spirit. And he operates that gift as he will. So we look there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Somebody's squealing for joy already. They're full of the Spirit. And that's okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. And to another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. We have gone through and given a description in writing on the outline of all of the gifts of the Spirit until we have not gotten to the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Paul spins a whole lot of time and effort in chapter 12 and chapter 14 almost exclusively dealing with the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Why would he spend so much time on that when he doesn't spend a whole lot of uh, uh, like time on other subjects? Well, the gift of tongues is number one, it is 
such a unique gift, it is so misunderstood, and it is so abused. So he spends an awful lot of time on the gifts that are least understood and most abused, so that there will be a clearer understanding and a whole lot less. Understand this, that the Corinthian church had been born again out of, most of them had been in all kinds of relationships that were pagan in nature. Understand also that the, they grasped hold of the gifts and some of them got out of bounds, out of order. And they not only began to get out of order and out of bounds, but they began to believe that unless you experienced what they were experiencing, then somehow you were inferior in the eyes of God. You just didn't have it. You weren't spiritually elite like they were. And so Paul writes under the direction of the Holy Spirit so that we can have an understanding of tongues. Why, and this is not on your outline, why does the Bible give us any clues as to why the gift of tongues is there? By the way, the word tongues is glossolalia in the Greek, and it means literally language. The gift of tongues is the special ability to speak in a language that you have not previously learned, that is previously unlearned by the speaker under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Now there are some who would say that is just crazy, it's irrational to say that you can speak in a language that is previously unknown. How do we know that is nothing more than gibberish? Do you understand that there are over 6,900 known languages in the earth today? Anybody who knows four languages well is a genius in my book. 6,900 languages known in the earth today. Have you ever read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1? If I speak with the tongues of men on the earth and of angels, did you know that there is spiritual language that is uttered by angelic beings? Did you know that angel, angels cannot be numbered? The Bible tells us in Hebrews that every single believer has an accompanying angel to protect them who are, who are chosen for their salvation, who are chosen to walk in the salvation of the Lord. You've got a ministering, protecting angel assigned to you. Well, if every believer on the face of the earth has a guardian angel, and it's true, it's biblical, how in the world could you possibly say, with the untold millions of angelic beings, with the possibility of every one of these spirit beings uttering a language that is not intelligible or understood on the earth, how could anybody say that is nothing but gibberish unless they had full knowledge, and nobody with skin on has that. 
So to say that the, the supernatural ability given by the Holy Spirit to speak in a language unknown previously by the speaker is gibberish or absurd is an absurd argument in and of itself. Why do we see, what are the three things that we see tongues accomplishes in Scripture? Number one, it is a message to unbelievers. You remember on the day of Pentecost, the 120 were gathered together in Jerusalem in the upper room in great prayer, looking forward to the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had promised 40 days before. And suddenly as they prayed, the place where they were praying was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and there appeared to them fiery tongues and they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They spilled out of that room into the streets of Jerusalem and guess what? In God's timing there was a feast there. There were people from all sorts of different places and tribes and tongues and the Bible says that all of them heard the gospel preached in their own language. The first time that we see in that New Testament that is such a precious gift, tongues given, it was given to give a clear message to those who did not believe, who had never heard and understood the gospel. They heard it in their own language. What a beautiful thing. So number one, tongues is given as a message to unbelievers. Number two, tongues is also given as an expression of intimacy with the Lord. It is not the only expression of intimacy, but it is an expression of intimacy. You will find in Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 19, among others, you will find that sometimes when the Holy Spirit gripped or, or came upon or filled believers, that they spoke in, they uttered a language given to them by the Spirit. I choose to call tongues spiritual language just because it's not such a frightening term to cultural Christians in the United States. It is the same thing. But sometimes when the filling of the Holy Spirit took place in that New Testament, one of the expressions of the filling of the Holy Spirit was a language given by the Holy Spirit that was uttered, previously unknown by the speaker. And we'll find out why in a minute if you'll just hang with me. And the third reason why tongues is given is so sometimes the Lord gives a, a, a message to somebody in the context of public worship, in the context of the church assembled. And the word church means literally the assembly, the ecclesia, the assembling of believers. And sometimes tongues is given as a, a message to edify, to build up, to encourage, to strengthen, to call out, and to comfort the church. In that case, it has to always be interpreted to be effective. If somebody speaks in an in unknown language that is not interpreted, then the body, the assembly, cannot be edified and built up. And that's the reason the Word says that when that happens in the public assembly, it is always to be interpreted, or, they are to, or it is to, the person is to remain quiet, speaking to himself and to God. That is, it is, are you listening? 
It is legitimate. If, if there is a manifestation of, of a spiritual language on the inside of you, it is too deep for intelligible words. If there is that manifestation on the inside of you, it is legitimate in this assembly. It is legitimate for you to pray privately or over somebody. It is just not legitimate for you to get up and give a message in tongues for the whole church that is not interpreted. Does everybody understand that? My job to teach you some things. Now, I will say this. If you have, in the past, been gifted by the Lord to interpret a message given in tongues, and if, in the past, you have spoken to an assembly of believers, I'm not talking about in a, prayer, a private prayer group in your home. I'm not talking about in a huddled up uh, private prayer over somebody in this assembly. But if you have spoken to the group in tongues before, and that gift has operated in you, I would like for you to, as a courtesy, I would like for you to let me know that. I am not here to discourage you. But I had rather not be surprised. That's all I'm saying. Everybody understand that? And I will also say this. It is always out of order for somebody to stand up in the middle of spiritual leadership leading the congregation in the teaching or exhortation of the Word of God, it is always out of order for somebody to usurp that and draw attention to themselves by a message that some people say, I just couldn't help it. It just came on me and I had to let it out. You can help it. That's just out of order. We're talking about family here today, aren't we? If I'm not here, are you listening? If I'm not here, I am asking the elders of the church and any ordained minister that is in here, if you see or hear somebody out of order and I'm not here, I want you to go over there and quietly ask them to bring themselves into order and if they can't, I'm going to ask you to help them walk out the door. And if you can't do that, is everybody listening? Can you turn right around and look to the back? Can you see in the doorway there? You just ask him to assist you. You say, Pastor, has that ever happened here? Nope. Do you expect it to? Nope. But I've been around a while, I'm not stupid. It's my job to let this family know how we're to operate, right? In order and in love. Now, you say, how in the, why in the world would you say that? Well, I've seen some things and been some places where the Holy Spirit and the precious ministry of the Spirit was interrupted 
by a disorderly person. Sometimes that person has been disordered in their own mind, and sometimes that person has just been absorbed with their own agenda and has violated the order of the Holy Spirit in a service. Neither one of those should be allowed to distract from the ministry of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Well, so we see that tongues, the supernatural ability given to speak in a language not previously learned, has three, at least three purposes. The message to unbelievers, an expression of intimacy with God between a believer and the Lord, and to edify the church when publicly interpreted. Well, are there references in scriptures about speaking in other tongues? Right before Jesus left, he said, these signs shall follow those who believe. They shall speak with other tongues. They shall cast out demons. If they take up a deadly serpent, it will not harm them or drink it. And, and look, let me just say this. There are some, let me speak this by the Spirit of the Lord. Sometimes you just need to know that, just don't be an idiot. There are people having church services and bringing in rattlesnakes and moccasins and using this verse as a proof text saying, well, if I have enough faith, then I can handle this snake and it won't bite me. That is lunacy. That is interpreting the scriptures out of a place of ignorance where it says they shall take up serpents in my name. The word take up in the Greek, the original language of the New Testament also means they shall cast away. You remember Paul? When he was ministering on the island of Malta and he was helping them put sticks on a fire and a viper reached up grabbed hold of him and wouldn't let go, what did he do? Cast it off. Just shook it off into the fire. A supernatural manifestation of somebody who was walking in faith and obedience. But remember what Jesus said to the devil when he said, just go ahead and jump off the temple, your angels will catch you. What did Jesus say? Thou shalt not what? Tempt the Lord thy God. Are you listening to me? This is third, third Franklinians chapter 2. Thou shalt not take up snakes to prove thy faith. <laughs> We've talked about the purposes of tongues. It is a manifestation of the filling of the Holy Spirit. You can also look at Acts 19.6 and Acts 10.44 through 46 to proclaim the gospel. We've already looked at a private language of prayer. I want you to turn with me to chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. I want you to see something beautiful here. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Verse 1 says to pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Do you desire spiritual gifts? Are you praying for them? but especially that you may prophesy. Remember what we said prophecy was. Prophecy is not spiritual fortune telling. 
Prophecy is the ability to hear a message by the Holy Spirit and the willingness by faith to share it with somebody for their edification. That is a gift the Word says we should all pray for. Look at verse 2. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to, God, to men, but to God. For one, no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. So praying in a tongue or speaking in a tongue is direct communication with God as long as that language is given to you by the Holy Spirit. It is spirit-to-spirit communication. Notice verse 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, builds up his own inner man. He who prophesies edifies the church, builds up the assembled believers. Hold your place right there for just a minute. Turn to the next to the last book of the Bible, that's Jude. If you're following electronically on your cell phone or iPad, go to Jude, the last, next to last book of the New Testament. I want you to see a powerful verse here. Verse 20, but you, beloved, everybody say, that's me. That was weak. Everybody say, that's me. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. One, building yourselves up, it is not wrong to edify yourself. It is not selfish. It is granted to you as a divine tool. You need to be built up in your inner man, especially if you're constantly giving out to other people. And listen to me. Though some of you are going to understand this, some of you won't. If you're constantly giving out to other people, you need to ask the Lord if you haven't already. You need to learn how to pray spirit to spirit so that your inner man gets built up, edified, strengthened. It is spirit to spirit communication. God designed it. Man didn't make it up. All right. The other purposes of tongues is obviously to, per- to publicly edify the church, which always has to be accompanied by an interpretation. By the way, a spiritual interpretation is not a translation. A translation is usually a word for word. An interpretation is an interpreter is given the meaning of what that tongue's message is given. It is not a word for word translation. There's a difference in translation and spiritual interpretation. Notice what Paul says there. Back in our chapter 14 in verse 5, Paul says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more, that you prophesied. That is, that you heard messages from the Lord and were willing to speak them to other people that built them up in their own faith. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless, indeed, he interprets so that the church may receive edification. Now I want you to skip down to verse 12. Even so you, 
since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church, not so that you you seek to excel, so that you seek to excel. The main thing that Paul is asking these Corinthian believers to do is to edify the church. That is to have something from the Holy Spirit to give that builds up the church. And church here is meant the church gathered like we are today. So therefore, verse 13, if you speak in a tongue, pray that you may interpret. Then he goes on to say, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. See, Prayer in the spirit is spirit-to-spirit communication. And unless it is in a public context, when it, unless it is interpreted, it doesn't have impact and meaning. But if it is interpreted, it has the same authority as prophecy, according to the apostle right here. So what does that say? To people like me, look at verse 39, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Here are some guidelines for the operation of tongues. Obviously, you see tongues are a legitimate gift. They're given by God. Paul said he spoke with tongues more than we, and he wished. Paul says, I desire that I wish you all spoke with tongues. Verse 5. I want you to look at verse 18. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Verse 18. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding so that I may teach others also than ten thousand words in a tongue. Wow. Pretty strong, isn't it? He's talking about edifying the church. Remember that the Corinthian church was chaotic in more ways than one. Chaotic. And unless you understand that he is specifically speaking to this chaos that existed, Sometimes you may not understand the gravity of things that appear in the Scriptures that are, that are puzzling. Like verse 34, let not women speak in the church. Why in the world would he say that? Whenever you find something puzzling in Scripture, don't Focus in on what you don't understand. Look at the broader picture of what you do understand. And what we do understand in the New Testament is that over and over and over again, God used women even in the New Testament church. There were women who were deaconesses, prophetesses, co-pastors. So why in the world would he say something like this? You've got to understand the context or you'll miss the big picture. Paul was not saying that women shouldn't. You've got to understand that in the first century, and that's the reason you got teachers 
Study to show yourself approved unto God. Study to show yourself approved under a God. A workman needing not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show yourself approved under God. In the Corinthian church, most of the women were born out of there in that Asian province were born out of pagan worship. Many of them worshiped the goddess Diana. And when they came in to a service, now that they were accepting the God of the Jews, a lot of times they were separated, men on one side, women on the other. And in the context of those services, the wives and by the way, this is best translated wives, gune in the Greek, not women. The wives would be in the middle of the teaching, hollering over to their husbands, many of them who, in, especially in Jewish culture, had learned the ways of the, the law, especially. They would be hollering, what, what did he say? What, what does that mean? What do you think about that? Chaos. And Paul saying, now, wives, you need to keep silent and go ask your husbands at home. He's got more training on this issue. He was not saying that wives have no authority whatsoever in the church. It can't be that way if you look at the New Testament as a whole. There's no way. It was speaking to a specific circumstance and situation. And by the way, a lot of these were usurping the spiritual leadership they were publicly, here's, here's the main issue. A lot of these were publicly embarrassing their husbands in the assembly. And Paul had learned of this and he was addressing it. That's the motive behind what he said. Does that make sense to you? That passage will be a mystery to you and you'll think God or Paul was against women if you don't look at the big picture of the New Testament. Everybody understand that? I love this church. This is my favorite of all the years I've ministered. You're so hungry for the Word. Wasn't it great to have that energized prophetic preaching last Sunday? And thank you for giving me the grace to let teaching happened this Sunday, and hopefully, you know, we need a little bit of all of it, don't we? If there's no one gifted to interpret, there should be no tongues message given. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and 28. Does everybody say that? If there's no interpreter, verse 28, let him who he would speak in a tongue keep silent in the church. Why do you think I ask you if you have received that in the past or been used of that in the past would you let me know I've told you it is permissible to pray quietly in tongues the word says you're you're talking to God and to yourself and it's sometimes because I'm wearing a microphone during times of prayer sometimes the Holy Spirit will rise up on the inside of me and I will begin to pray in a spiritual language. And I don't want to spook you out about that. I can't. It's just part of the fabric of my being. And uh, I want you to know that sometimes in private prayer, 
I have never spoken a message in tongues as of this moment publicly in an assembly. But sometimes in private prayer, especially when I am stirred by the Spirit of God to pray over somebody, the Spirit just takes me over, and I know sometimes if that's verbal or apparent to you, it may cause you concern. Don't think I'm losing my mind. It is just an expression of the Spirit in my spirit. I love you. I'm connected with you. And sometimes their words, what I feel towards you is too deep for words. And when that word, when it is too deep for words, he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is who intercedes for us according to God. And I know this is very new and confusing to some of you. Read the Scriptures, ask the Spirit for understanding, and ask the Lord, does the Spirit and the love of God prevail here, and is the Word of God preeminent? You don't have to agree, but we all ought to be learning something. Notice in verse 27, he says, if there's tongues, it ought to be by two or three at the most. They were, it was just mass chaos in the Corinthian church. Everybody wanted to do something, say something. By two or three at the most. And uh, if you'll notice, you'll find in verse 29 that that's the same thing that he, the limit he puts on those who would give prophetic words in public, in the assembly. Notice again in verse 40, everybody there in verse 40, let all things be done decently and in order. What causes disorder? Those who would draw attention to themselves and away from Jesus, right? Remember, again, what the Lord would desire through the expression of any of the gifts. Verse 12, be zealous for spiritual gifts and let it be for the edification of the church. When you pray for the gifts to be in operation, what's your main motivation? Is it to edify you or to edify the church? It's pretty clear right there, isn't it? We ought to pray for the gifts to build up and encourage and comfort the church. Look, there's no need to be defensive or afraid of tongues. We always tend to run away from what we don't understand. But it is a legitimate expression of the Lord. God's not going to force you to speak in tongues, I can assure you that. Tongues plus interpretation is on the order of prophecy. And the manifestation of private prayer-oriented tongues is not the same thing, doesn't have the same guidelines as the public gift of tongues in the assembly of the church. Well, I hope you're learning something. I have people say all the time, 
When I walked in, I felt the spirit of love here. I hope that you will do what the scriptures say and pursue, especially those gifts that you see them and you say, oh, look, I really, I really pray for the gift of prophecy because the word told me to. I really pray for the gift of the word of wisdom. I really pray for, I pray for all of them. I pray that the Lord will use me in gifts of healings and miracles and anything in I see in the list, I ask for every one of them. And I'm thinking that if we're not asking for the gifts, it's because we really don't understand the heart of God, how much he loves us, and how he desires to express himself to the body. Well, let's all stand. Would you pray this with me? Mighty Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that the Holy Spirit will teach me and guide me into all the truth. Open my heart to anything that I've been closed off for that is a gift from you. I know that if I ask you for a fish, you won't give me a serpent. If I ask for bread, you won't give me a stone. And so now, I ask you to give me the manifestation of the Holy Spirit as never before. I desire to experience all things that you have in store for me. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Anoint me. Use me. Speak to me out of your love. I desire to walk in the order of the church according to the word. But I personally say, I want more of you, Lord. I want to know you in a deeper way. So fill me, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.